Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Shea Station Player Profile and Projection. We're number two at it right now. It's Eduardo Escobar, a big episode. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jack A.K. Jolly. Joining me is former Met Jerry Blevins. Jerry, this is a that's that's that guy. That's not me. Jerry, this is a massive episode in my opinion. Yes, yes, this is a big one. This is kind of Eduardo Escobar, some people view him as a bounce back. Some people see him as blocking the future at that mm, position. Mm. One thing I do want to say about Eduardo Escobar is he might be in all of baseball, but definitely on the New York Mets, one of the easiest guys to root for because he's so personable, so likable, such a very, very good influence as far as personality goes. He lights up the room wherever he goes. He has that huge smile. We saw him today on the backfield bunting, yelling at Wayne Kirby, having a good time. He just elevates the room when he's in. We, I, I went up to him yesterday in the clubhouse because he said, uh, I, Trevor Plouffe says hello. And he goes, ah, oh, mi primo. <laughs> like he was just so excited. But I think he does that for everyone. So he makes you feel special. Uh, so I, I am a big fan of Eduardo Escobar. Yeah, we've heard from our own John Boy Media coworkers about how much he's a thrill to be around. And it's so, so easy to root for Eduardo Escobar, the human. I think a lot of people were thrown askew by Eduardo Escobar, the player, last year. Because when you look at his numbers on the field, they're not bad. They're pretty good offensive numbers. It's just that doesn't tell the whole story. Give him, of give him the, the rundown. Last season. year, 136 games played. We like that. Yeah, 26 doubles, 20 homers, 69 nice RBI. He had a 726 OPS and 100, 106 weighted runs created plus. I mean, like, that's, that's, I know that's offense was down, average. but that's above league average. That's a good hitter with a 2020 season, an OPS in the 720s. You like all of those things from a switch hitter. Add that onto the fact as well. But, but it doesn't feel like that because in the notes you put, yeah, I think the story is told because it feels like two strong bookends on the month of April and the month of September, and then in the middle, it was only the cycle, really, that you had to root for because it got so low. It got so low that it allowed Brett Beatty to come up, and then Beatty started off, you know, the first swing he took was a home run in Atlanta, and then he kind of faded, and it allowed Escobar to come back, and then he had that spectacular September when the Mets needed him the most. I mean, he had a literal month named after him, the month of Escobar. We all remember the Miami Marlins game at the end of the season. All runs came from Eduardo Escobar. It was awesome. All big hits. It was also a must-win game, considering how bad the Mets were skidding at that point after the Cubs sweep and all that. So those are the moments you remember. He batted 321 with a 982 OPS in September. He was absolutely essential to the Mets Sticking it out, you know, they didn't stick the landing at the end, but in terms of where they landed at 101 wins, it's hard to get there without the month that Eduardo Escobar had. Also, 
We were speaking his praises in April. He had a really good April. He was taking a lot of walks. He had eight doubles in that month alone, batting 253, 805 OPS. It's just everything in between outside of that cycle in San Diego was a really, really tough watch, and especially tougher because of what you mentioned. The guy is extremely likable. He has the most infectious laugh in baseball, maybe. It's just you wanted to see more from him during the, the stretch of the season where the Mets were playing well, but he wasn't playing well. Yeah, that was the tough part because he started out so well. He wasn't hitting for power, and I think that might have gotten him into a lull Yeah. because I think uh, he's, he only hit that one home run the whole month of April. I think he wanted to press a little bit, and he only ended up hitting 11 over the next four months, right. and then he hit eight in September when he got back to it. So. Again, it was this roller coaster, those bookends that I think really represented. But I'm optimistic because of the way he ended, because of having another another month or another year of experience playing in the big market of New York. Yeah, and I think that's an important thing to highlight because going into last season, Eduardo Escobar had played in Minnesota, Milwaukee, a lot of the central teams. Arizona was where he was at for a little bit. Never really a large market like New York. It's a whole new beast to kind of get used to. And I think by the end of the season, he was used to it and embracing Mets fans. So there's plenty of reason for optimism that I really want to buy into. But as you mentioned at the top of the episode, he is sort of blocking the future a little bit with Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos kind of waiting in the wings as we battle the wind. Yeah, this is being out in the element. <laughs> but there, there's really two things. One was Escobar getting used to New York. We saw what happened with Lindor. I think that played a factor. But uh, here's a quote from Buck Showalter that, that you wrote down, and he's, he was talking about Escobar, and he said, I could tell there was a lot of stuff going on in his life. He made me cry on more than one occasion. Right. And that's Buck talking about Eduardo. Last year, he was dealing with a lot of things, so that also could have contributed into those low moments for him, but he had a strong finish. He showed that he's still very capable of swinging a very hot bat. The guy that was supposed to be there to protect Pete Alonso right behind him, you know, Again, it's it's either you see him as having a bounce back or you see him as blocking the Brett Beatty or Vientos or even holding place until they get a little bit more seasoning before they're ready. Right, and those guys will probably start the year in AAA in the minor leagues, wait for their opportunity. Uh, and one thing they'll be working on is defense, and that's kind of something I want to talk about with Escobar as well. I think when you gauge a Mets fan's opinion... From the eye test, they'll say that Eduardo Escobar played a good third base last year. I think if you asked me without having looked at any analytics or anything like that, I would tell you the same thing. I think it's a mix of a couple things. I think we, uh, we watch guys that were not awesome at that position for many, many years, guys that were inexperienced at that position, not used to it. You know, I'd hate to single him out, but J.D. Davis had a lot of lowlights at third base in spite of, you know, all of his great offensive moments from 2019. Eduardo Escobar fielded the position well, and I think that's based on, you know, a lot of experience. You know, he's got decades worth of years in the league and stuff like that. But when you go to his numbers and his metrics, he was 8th percentile in outs above average, which measures range for infielders. 8th percentile is bad. You don't want to be low there. You want to be high. Negative uh, 6 defensive runs saved in 2022. Those are not numbers that really bode well going forward, especially with Escobar getting older. But at the same time, I still, in the back of my mind, remember him making a handful of highlight grabbing plays. I remember the play at Wrigley where they turned that with JD at first base. And it's it's hard to believe that these are the numbers that he came out with at the end of the season. That being said, I'm still comfortable with him at third base, but if he's hitting well enough to be a DH option, I'm also into that too. I think the mental side of the baseball 
affected him more on the defensive side than it did on offensive side. I think some of the throws that he made, I think he had a career-high 12 errors last year, which is very unlike him. He may not have the most range, especially as he's getting older, but he's usually sure-handed and has a sure throw across the diamond. I think that affected him there, and I do expect him to be better. I was shocked by reading these statistics, the way they measure metrics on defensive side. I figured he would be right around league average, but 8th percentile is not acceptable. So if he's going to not hit on that level, he better be playing good defense because that's basically the only drawback. They want Beatty to get some more seasoning defensively. That's something that he worked a lot in this offseason, which we'll talk about during his PPP. But I think Escobar is a more reliable offensive producer and defensive producer. Well, you mentioned the term uh, league average there, and I found it very interesting that in our steamer projections that we have for Eduardo Escobar, they have him smack dab, 100 weighted runs created plus, league average hitter. The numbers don't fly off the page here. They have him playing less games, 109 games, 435 plate appearances, 18 doubles, 15 home runs, a 233 batting average, a 697 OPS. Steamer believes Eduardo Escobar will regress in 2023. They don't believe in the narratives that we're painting for him getting New York under his belt and getting them on his side. I'm, I find them kind of interesting. I feel like we're kind of getting lowballed a little bit on Eduardo Escobar here. Where where at? I think in terms of, you know, extra base hits, I feel like 26 and 20 last year, that's pretty reliable. I think a 406 slugging clip is kind of low for him. They have the OBP going even lower than the 295 it was last year. I'm really, really interested to see that if Eduardo Escobar can not only be the guy he was in September, but also be the guy that he was in April. I really liked a lot of Escobar's at-bats in April. He was a very patient hitter, which doesn't line up with a lot of his career numbers. And that was something that was really positively affecting his game, getting on base at the bottom of the Mets lineup. And then the power did come later in the season, but having a nice mix of that will really bode well for him next year. I remember in May and throughout that that low where he hit, you know, the May through August where he hit 209, but more importantly, he slugged 373, which is so low. I remember him getting a lot of borderline calls against him, and that's changing things up where he would be up 2-0, now it's 1-1, or 2-1, and now it's 1-2. These swayed him, and normally in, in the little, you know, if that happens once a game, or once a month, that's okay. But I felt like it was consistently happening. Again, it might be my bias, but I remember so many of those borderline, you know, kind of at-bat changing borderline calls going against him. I think those will level out. Those are kind of one of those things where you regress to the mean. I think he'll be, I think he'll be solid, a more consistent producer. Even if we don't see the September that he had where he, you know, he had an OPS of 982, yeah. I don't think that's in the cards for him for the whole season. But I don't see why he can't be a, a seven, you know, a seven thirty, seven forty kind of OPS guy. And I think you'd take that too. And and one thing we haven't mentioned yet, which I'm curious to see if you think will will play a factor with Escobar being a switch hitter, is that you know a big topic for this year. No more shift. So Eduardo Escobar, you know, not really a dead pull hitter by any means. He is a switch hitter. We saw him go oppo in some of his best hits of the year. Do you think that benefits him in any capacity, or is it kind of the same story? I think it benefits every hitter. Right. I think, you know, if you if you square up the ball on the pull side, you know, he gets shifted. But I think this is a, an advantage for every single hitter. So I think there's a little bit of, of, of gap there to push them forward on, on every single hitter. And one thing I do want to bring up, even though I, I have no idea how things will play out, but... This is technically a contract year for Eduardo Escobar. You know, we had Canna on the three-year deal, so his will be next year. Marte is on the four-year deal. We got him for a little while. 
Eduardo Escobar was a two-year, $20 million deal signed going into the uh, last year. So this year, there are questions to be asked because you have Brett Beatty, who it seems that the organization likes more and more with each passing day. I know I like him more and more with each passing day. Mark Vientos, still kind of waiting for his opportunity. Third base is his primary position. Whatever situation plays out, it's going to be really, really interesting to see where Eduardo Escobar is at come July with the trade deadline there because the Mets have an option there for someone that they could trade that is a major league caliber player. Now, as a fan, that would make me sad because I, as I said at the top of the episode, I like Eduardo Escobar as the human. I want it to work here. And I do think it works as a great segue to get Brett Beatty the seasoning that he needs both defensively and offensively. But it's got to be something that they're thinking about because that is an option that can, you know, rear its head come that time. So I, I love that line of questioning. And again, it's one of those things to where if he's performing well or not, if Brett Beatty is is foaming, you know, at the bit or champ, champ, champing, chomping, champ, champing, champing, just champing at the bit. Look that up. I'll look it up. Uh, right if, he's, if he's knocking the door down, making sure, like saying, look, I'm ready to go. Do they move on from Escobar, and in what fashion? Do they keep a guy that's so well-liked and, and likable to be the backup, or do they trade him for a piece, or do they let him go to say, Beatty, you're our guy, this is your job, they, you don't want that veteran presence behind him, so he feels that pressure. There's a few different ways to, a, to go about that. You know, I hope Brett Beatty does, you know, tear the leather off the ball, does get some seasoning at third base, is more reliable over there defensively, and he is ready. But I also root for Eduardo Escobar. It'll be a point to where they're like, all right, do we move on to let Brett Beatty come and be a spark plug? It's kind of the same thing. So it'll be interesting because he's so likable how they handle if that possibility arises. And, I mean, you think of Eduardo Escobar as a bench piece, and, like, I sign up for that switch hitter with a little bit of pop can get on base and plays third base. But at the same time, you look at the Mets bench, there's a lot of versatility there. There are multiple catchers. You have Luis Guillermo who can play any infield position exceptionally well, multiple fourth outfielders. Is there room for Eduardo Escobar if that becomes the move? I don't know. You know, we don't know what's going to happen with Darren Ralph. We don't know how Tommy Pham's going to pan out. But at the end of the day, this is a question the Mets are going to have to ask themselves. And I think the clubhouse thing you mentioned is important because that can be an important effect on a lot of the younger guys that are coming up through the Mets system with a lot of these old heads around. And Eduardo Escobar is probably the most personable guy in baseball. That's a guy you want in that clubhouse with guys like Mark Cannon and stuff like that. And he really was the heart and soul of this team going down that really tough stretch last year. It would be a shame for it to end like that, but it's not something that you can completely write off, I think. But there is there is an avenue where they say, here, Brett Beatty, here's the keys yeah. to third base. We don't want you looking over your shoulder, Eduardo Escobar. Have at it. Let's trade the guy. Let's let's not have that worry for you. It might it might be a mentorship thing, but it also there's there's an avenue where you don't want that kind of overshadow. You know, if I I feel pressed because if I have over four, they're going to bring him back in. Right. So there there's there's multiple things to have. I I, I want to highlight one thing from the steamer production, which I was a little shocked by. Uh, 109 games seems really low for Eduardo Escobar, and I don't know what they could be factoring in there. But he was a guy that, in terms of, you know, outside of anything that happened in May and August, he was at least taking the field every day for the Mets. I feel like he was one of those consistent staples in the Mets lineup, you know, bouncing around that lineup for sure. But I was a little shocked at just 109 games for him because Escobar is still a decently young guy that can still hack it. I think, I think here's the key there. I think this year, if he 
slumps, I don't think they give him the the length yeah. because of Brett Beatty to have those games where he's he's got four months here of being really really poor offensively to where it's it's an like a really tough watch. Yeah. I don't think they give him that kind of longer leash anymore because of what they've seen in Beatty. They've already started his clock, and if he's ready, if he's if he's ready or he's doing the same thing that Escobar's doing. Why not bring up a young guy to possibly spark and get him? If if Escobar isn't performing, why not let Beatty come up and and learn? If he's not, you know, if he's going to do the same thing, might as well get some young guy some some leadership. Yeah, Andy Martino, Andy legend, Martino, hanging out in the back. Well, you know, after our insider chat with Andy Martino, which you know you guys aren't privy to, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, I do think I want to segue to our over under, and I think I'm going to call an audible if that's cool with you. Oh, okay, I'm for that. So we have on base percentage here, which I do like, considering I was you know big on Eduardo Escobar's approach in April. But I want to make it more encompassing because a big thing that brought him together in September was the slugging, getting those big extra base hits, those eight home runs. And I want to turn this to OPS. I want to combine on base and slugging into one. And I want to find it at a, a spot that I consider successful for Eduardo Escobar. Last year, he had a 726 OPS, which is, by all accounts, considering what the standards were last year, good. I think you take that from an, you know, Eduardo Escobar. It was not the whole story, which we've mentioned, obviously. I want to set a higher mark. I want to set it at 750. Can Eduardo Ooh. Escobar be a 750 OPS guy? Because that's a guy I consider myself comfortable with batting behind Pete Alonso for a majority of at-bats. And I think that it's realistic because we, we've seen Escobar be an 800, an 850, even a 900 guy in years past. Can he get to 750 in what's a big year for him considering he might want to get paid next year? So 750 is the mark, I said. Can I Can I audible that? Can sure. I go, because his his career average is 743. Mm, Do you, so you want to set it at that? Set it at 743. I like that better. Is that all right? I like that better. Okay. That's, a, that's a nice pull. 743 is the mark you're setting at, the career average for him. And I am going to cautiously take the over because you have kind of sold me on Eduardo Escobar optimism. <laughs> I didn't expect that. I want to take the over. I'm going to be bouncing in between who I believe in and who I don't. But it's it's I'm thinking with my heart here. I want Eduardo Escobar to be the guy that he once was. I think New York will embrace him even more than they already have. And having that in the middle or the bottom of the lineup would be absolutely fantastic for the Mets. I'm going for it. I expected you to be on the, he's holding the placemat for Brett Beatty, so I think we're ready for the, the new age. I'm shocked. I shocked you. You took the over. I am an Escobar fan. I think if he does get to that 720 consistently where he's producing, but it's not this because they can't, handle a long lull like they did last year right. so i think if he's consistently at that 720 kind of mark you know if he's hitting you know five home runs a month that kind of approach four home runs i think that's that's in that seven it's, it's a good line i am going you to take with this one i dang it <laughs> i'm going to take the under wow but i'm gonna take it at the but at you the, made me believe i do believe but i don't think this is the number. I think he's more consistent on the under to where he's not, he's not hitting 900. You know what? Gosh. 
I should have let you have it at 750 and took the. I'm going to take the over too because it's in. The, if I'm wrong, Sweet, so uh, it'll be sad. I don't want to root against, so I'm going to take the over. If we're ever well. going to agree, it should be on I the agree. Mark. I'm he with deserves you. it. He absolutely. Deserves I truly it. expected you to be an under guy because you you're you want Brett Beatty to kind of take the. That's how you know we don't script this. That's true. That's true. We'll both take the over there. I like Eduardo Escobar. Don't let us down, man. We are all rooting for you, like most Mets fans are. Be that bridge to Beatty. Be the guy that everybody wants to root for. Have a 743 OPS. Why not? I think it's a little bit more divided in Mets fandom. I think there there's a lot of people itching to see Brett Beatty stay over there for Just gonna have to win him over, the though. sooner the better. Just going to have to win him over. Give him something to cheer about, oh, like he said. shirt. We have that. That's right. Shout out John Boy Media. Go, go get our Eduardo Escobar shirt. Uh, I think that's all on our guy, Eddie, unless you got something else. I don't. I have uh, one more thing. What you do? Let's go mess. <laughs> we'll see you guys tomorrow for another episode. Episode every day until opening day. PPPs. PPPs.